Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we park our orange Lamborghini and pick up something in pearl white. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren King. For the extra this uh, month, Dennis, I thought maybe it'd be a good opportunity for us, instead of riffing on, you know, millennials or movies or whatever's on the thing, but just to kind of check in on some of the projects that we've got going that maybe we haven't talked about much lately. And I wanted to maybe start with an update on my my build, the Lamborghini Orange Thermaltake water-cooled build. So this would be one year using Thermaltake premium water cooling products. Now this was a big build for us, and we did quite a few process logs and a couple of videos on this build, and it really is a beautiful machine, but like all machines that I own, it kind of works for a living. It goes to a lot of land parties and trade shows and that sort of thing, so it gets moved around a lot. Yeah, so let's see, four land parties since we <laughs> built it? Is that about right? Yeah, and two, three different times we've moved it, and a couple of different desks, and well, yeah. just in general, different locations. So yeah. it's, you know... One of the things that we talked about a lot, and this is a recurring theme when you go back through those logs and podcasts, is, well, how durable is a water cooling system these days, and how safe is it? One of my big fears when we built this was how often that machine gets moved and whether or not it would spring a leak. Yeah, well, back when water cooling was in its infancy, you know, people were just now getting into water cooling, it was all soft tube, so um, you would have a tube going, connecting two hose barbs together, and you put a hose clamp on there, otherwise it would not stay. And the pumps at the time didn't have a lot of pressure, so you know if you sprung a leak, it was a slow leak, and it was one of those things where you have to let it bleed for 24 hours to see if you got any leaks. That's where that all started, because these pumps would actually spring a leak, and they'd be really, really small, and you wouldn't be able to see it. Well, nowadays we have like these D5 pumps with a whole poop ton of pressure, <laughs> if they're going to leak, they're going to leak in the first 10 minutes. So, Well, not only that, but we, we spent a lot of time on this, you know, building the pipes and getting the fittings because this was our first attempt to use that serious pipe instead of the flex pipe. Yeah, we were using PETG hardline tubing with uh, Thermaltake fittings, which were the compression style fittings. Uh, actually, it was a whole lot of Thermaltake gear. We had the Thermaltake aluminum radiators. We had the D5 pump res combos. We had their fittings. We were using their CPU block, which was actually from Swift Tech. And we added an EK water blocks to your video card. And then, of course, the PETG, PETG tubing. Well, I want to definitely give a good shout out to Thermaltake because they provided us with really some great stuff. And I know that initially we also had some concerns about that aluminum radiator because we'd heard some scary stories. Oh, yeah. Well, people would tell us scary stories. I already knew about galvanic corrosion we did a whole podcast episode on it and how it mattered but it didn't matter and in this case if you're using the thermal take coolant it has inhibitors in it that will prevent that sort of stuff from happening and that's kind of the whole reason that they're there and if one thing that a lot of people forget about especially the ones that are spouting off on reddit about this all-in-one coolers you know those ones that you buy for 110 dollars at the store yeah we love to recommend them uh, Copper water block, aluminum radiator. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So anyway, it's been a year, and I am happy to report that we haven't had any problems with leaking. Now, we recently had an opportunity to flush the system, which is something that we planned on doing at the one-year point. Mm -hmm. And there are some advantages to that, some real reasons that you want to do that. 
And of course, the most important is to make sure that your system has good, clean, effective coolant in it, but also to make sure that you don't have any, I don't know, constrictions, I guess is maybe the right term. Yeah. Uh, well, you don't want uh, things to get plugged up and cause more problems down the road. Well, I want to tell a little story to our users about why we flushed that system a little bit early because, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's a little bit funny. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. So I had the opportunity to put a different desk together in my office and wanted to move the computer onto that desk. And at the same time, we popped the machine open to put a sound card in for review. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then also the little... uh... Oh, that's right. And a little remote control unit from Silverstone. So two great reviews for you to look for out there. Um, Both were products that went in pretty flawlessly. But in the midst of this process... I found, uh uh-oh, an alarm going off in my system. An alarm, oh no. So we had what we thought was an overheating alarm, and the reason for that is because that alarm only went off when the system was under load. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, but only on certain loads. So you were playing Battlefield 1, and it would be this annoying beep, 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 right? Oh, it was so constant, and it would get faster and slower, and it seemed to... It seemed to correspond with the uh, ramp up of the processors and the ramp up of the fans. Although you were playing Seven Days to Die and it wasn't beeping at all. Right. So Seven Days to Die has a very heavy load when it first loads the textures and worlds and stuff and then settles down to, well, maybe an average game load. So it sort of made sense that the more graphically intense Battlefield 1 was driving more power. So it was beeping. So what did I do? Well, of course, I said, oh, Dennis, we've got to figure out if there's something wrong. So we brought it over to the lab mm-hmm. and tore it apart. A lot of people were uh, talking on my, well, let's see, what was that? I go back. One of the YouTube videos I posted was me filling the Core V51 build with thermal take coolant. And just about every third comment on that video was, don't use that coolant. It's going to plug up your system. You're just going to have it all clogged up and it's going to die and people are going to like, <laughs> you know, come at your house with pitchforks. And, you know, they were trying to paint the worst case scenario because one YouTuber out there had trouble and blamed it on the coolant. That's and then, right. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So why not take the opportunity, since we are having some problems anyway, yeah. to tear the system apart and see if we have any clogs or leaks that could be causing that overheating issue? Yeah. So what we did was we drained the, the loop. And as we drained the loop, we noticed that there was only coolant in there. There's nothing really else in there. And I figured, okay, well, let's look at the CPU block because obviously that is the EK water blocks on the video card is not a thin fin design, so it's not going to get plugged up or anything like that. Well, plus we sprung, I sprung for the nickel design, dun, 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 yeah. so it was clear. You could see what was going on. Yeah, and it was it was clear. So we pulled the CPU block off, and I tore it apart, which is something I've done before when I reviewed the unit, and I noticed there was a couple of little flakes in the fins, but there was no coolant coagulating. There was... No gel. There was nothing. It was basically clean, except it had a couple little chunks of stuff in there. I think this is where things started to go downhill. And to be fair, we are trained professionals, I think. Yeah. But sometimes it doesn't show. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you get get things put back together one way and you have a couple too many drinks. (laughs) You you know, I'm not going to point names or anything. So it turns out that you can put the cover on that particular heatsink on two different ways. 
Yeah. And in this case, uh, took it apart and I took a small toothbrush and some water and cleaned out the fins. Beautifully, I might add. And I put the top back on and I didn't realize it was 90 degrees. Oh no. So we put it back together and then we attacked that radiator because thanks to Reddit, we thought we should do our due diligence and flush it out and see if there was any corrosion or any contamination. Yeah. So we pulled down the radiator. Uh, we're going back and forth on this one. Pulled down the radiator, and the thermal take radiator that we used was a um, a dual 140, which is a, a, a 280, basically. Yeah, nice overkill. Yeah, and it has uh, the pass-through fittings on the head portion of the radiator, and it has one drain plug at the bottom, which I promptly took that plug off. We took it out into the backyard, took the high-pressure hose, and basically squirted it through and flushed everything out, but I wanted to see if there was anything in the radiator. So all of the water from the radiator went into a bucket. And then when we got it all back together and I noticed that, you know, the water was kind of brown, but so is the coolant. So right. it's probably just coolant. And I do uh, want to mention here that the coolant, a beautiful Lamborghini orange or maybe hardware asylum orange, depending on where you're coming to it from, maintained its color very well. In fact, I would recommend that liquid, despite what the web says, to anyone, anytime. Yes, I would uh, fully agree with that, too. So we uh, we put the radiator back together, we plugged it back into the system, and uh, filled the loop. We flushed out with some distilled water just to make sure everything was out of it, and it was. We filled it up with the um, Thermaltake Premium C1000 coolant again. Fresh batch fresh batch and then um fired it up to make sure that nothing was going wrong and played a little battlefield yeah and lo and behold the coolant temperatures were a little higher than we had expected but wasn't bad and to be fair we were and maybe the hottest part of the summer so the ambient temperature was high yeah it was close to 100 it was crazy hot um but uh there was no beeping so i, I sent mr darren on his way Ooh, and- so happy took it home Took it home and... Plugged uh, it in. What uh, what happened? It started beeping. Oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> oh no. So, so, yes, beeping again. So we attacked the software, checking fan controllers, checking temperature sensors, looking for what is causing the beep when it shouldn't, and discovered that my processor was running at a nice, reasonable, about 56 to 62 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, which is a little warmer than what we would like it to be. So we thought, hey, well, that... Overclocking alarms going off again. So, it's got to be it. Yeah. So he brings it back over. Uh, I basically go after the CPU block. I find out that, oh, hey, oops, I'm an idiot. I put it on sideways. So he took it apart, put it on the right way, stuck it back in there, and then fired it up again. Played a little more Battlefield. Noticed, and this time? Well, the, the lab was around 100 degrees again. It was pretty hot. Still. And the water temperature was sitting right at... I think it peaked at 47C or something like that. Yeah, fantastic. And um, so we, know, totally, we totally found it. We, we fixed that problem. And uh, you take it back home, and what happened? Damn thing started beeping again. And uh, then, Only beeps in my office and not in the lab. Yeah, so I started uh, asking the question, so uh, what's different? And, you know, that's the funny thing because it hadn't occurred to me that I had taken advantage because I was testing um, sound stuff to add a bunch of new sound stuff to the system. So I had hooked up my X7, my Sound Blaster X7 external processor, the beautiful EM speakers that come with it, the EMUs. And I had also taken the opportunity because there was a bunch of new load on the system to introduce a little universal UPS to the system. 
and, and a keyword. NAS and a subwoofer and a lamp and an alarm clock. Yeah. Uh, uh, the keyword here is little UPS. So long story short, um, because I have never used a UPS before, I sprung for a little cheapy just because I'd put the NAS into the system. So it was only a 350 volt. Yeah. And unfortunately, what happens with a UPS system is that once you draw enough power across it to exceed what the battery and the uh, inverter can support, it sets off alarm saying, hey, you are over exceeding your limit and you need to do something to help, help, help. So if you're out there listening to this and shaking your head a little bit, close your eyes and picture a corner desk with a computer in the center bottom of it and right behind it in the corner so it's not in view because it's not pretty, a little tiny UPS beeping away so that when you're sitting at this thing, it sounds like that beep is coming from the system. Yeah, that was um, that was humorous. I, I really got a kick out of that <sighs> one. But out of that, and, you know, there's always a silver lining, right? So out of that, we were able to prove that we can run Thermaltake premium water cooling gear, not have the coolant coagulate, clog up the system at all. Right. Um, when I poured off the liquid that we flushed out of the radiator, I noticed a few aluminum flakes, some flakes and stuff that it came out of it. They were kind of black. That could point to corrosion or it actually could point to just the fact that there was stuff that got loosened up after the radiator was manufactured. Absolutely. Um, either way, I was not worried about it. Some of those flakes made it into the CPU block and they got embedded in some of the thin fins, but it wasn't clogging it at all. There was definitely not a processor clog. I took it apart to clean it, but that's what you do when you flush a water cooling loop. Um, so obviously I didn't see any corrosion at all. Uh, there was nothing being pitted in the CPU block, which is not how galvanic corrosion works. When I took the plugs out of the radiator, I looked in there, there was no pitting or anything in there, which is the radiator's the thing that's going to go anyway. Um, it looked great. So long story short, regardless of the reasons we tore it apart a little early, mm-hmm. we performed what is the annual recommended maintenance of replacing the cooler. We flushed everything. We visually inspected everything. Mm-hmm. We reattached everything. Still no leaks. We actually ended up with as good a performance, if not better, than when we started. Exactly. Everything looks great. And boy, howdy, Thermal Take makes some quality products. Yeah. If only they made a UPS. Yeah, we got to work on that. <laughs> so, guys, I can't help but recommend Thermal Take after a year of using it. It went together so smoothly. Everything looks great. I hope you've enjoyed the build logs and the pictures. And it's time, I think, maybe to migrate to a new build. So, As you're checking out our articles moving forward, I think you're going to see a change in this build away from our beautiful Lamborghini Orange and into something new that if you're checking out the Facebook, you may have already seen. As Darren alluded to in the previous segment, we have a new project in the lab. We do indeed, and I'm excited about it because as you know, I love custom cases, and I've even begun to embrace the RGB movement because... Oh, yeah, come on. In the right case, and I believe we maybe have the right case, RGB can look stunning. In fact, I once won a LAN party award for a case I called the Lighthouse because it was so freaking bright, (laughs) it won awards. 
That wasn't the one that was all UV light, was it? It is indeed a huge UV build. Yeah, that was... Uh, Nine 80 millimeter UV fans with reactive UV ring lights. Oh, wow. You didn't just date yourself there, did you? I did, and that's not even all. There were cold <laughs> cathodes in the whole nine yards. Oh, my God. But That's awesome, though. That'll take you back. So that may be a little bit of the inspiration behind what we wanted to do with this new belt. So, Dennis, tell oh. us, where do we start? What's the foundation? Foundation is a, a case that I just recently reviewed. I'll link it down in the show notes, obviously. The Thermaltake View 31. Oh, Okay. So this is basically the evolution of the Core X31, which is a case that I saw at CES a couple years ago. Fell in love with it because it was basically a, a wider version of the V51. It's a bit wider, it's a bit shorter, but it seemed to be the perfect just building case. Well, not only is wider and smaller a little bit easier to manage since... This is going to be a case that, again, works for a living, so it'll move mm-hmm. around. But it also gives a lot more space for modifications. In this case, a new build for water cooling, larger cards, more customization inside, and maybe more importantly, it just breathes well. Yeah, it breathes extremely well. Unfortunately, with the View 31, speaking of breathing, what Thermaltake did was the version that they sent me has a retrofitted tempered glass side panels. And by retrofit, I mean that they took the base X31 chassis and then figured out a way to put two rails on a piece of tempered glass and slide it into the stock door mounting. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. It's not. It's actually, it's pretty ingenious, really. Uh, The rails are are plastic, so they're not going to scratch or break the glass. And it's something that you can get for a lot of those cases. You can just retrofit these side panels because it's easy to manufacture. Well... With this case, they added the the timber glass side panels, and then they redid the front panel in a clear, slightly shaded plastic that kind of wraps around uh, one corner of it, leaving um, a perfect view into those uh, recessed ring lighting fans that we love so much with the thermal take cases. And then they have a a single vent along the side. Uh, Unfortunately, that single vent kind of restricts the airflow into the case, And if you have a radiator mounted in the front fan position, it's going to pull air in through the, uh, the leftover external drive bay holes from inside the case back through the radiator. So it's really going to short circuit the whole cooling loop right there. Now, I just finished saying how good this thing breathes. Well, that is the view 31. Oh, wait a minute. So what I did was I got a hold of Thermaltake and said, Hey, do you have like a, a front panel to an X31 that I can get from you? And lo and behold, they have a warehouse full of spare parts, and they happen to have a brand new front panel to an X31. And that panel, basically, you pull the View 31 panel off, you put that one on, you get a fully vented front mesh that actually has a slight um, fan shroud on it, so it will make a good connection with the fans and cool extremely well. Okay, so maybe that's not exactly the most exciting mod when you put a new face on a different case. Well, but it's a start. It's a start, and and technically, it's the face that was on the case originally. So you know, go figure. There's a rhyme in there somewhere. Yeah. So in event in the my personal modding vein, I guess I took the case apart and we laid down some custom color, and instead of going with the Lamborghini pearl orange. We decided to go with dun, dun, dun. 
a, a 911 Carrera Pearl White. Ooh, Pearl White. Now, this is where it leads me a little bit back to that old-fashioned lighthouse case mm-hmm. because Pearl White is beautiful, and it has a, a, a wonderful metallic glint when the light's on it. And when the light's not on it, it kind of fades to almost a UV blue. A little bit. And with the, um, the one thing I learned about pearls, you know, I kind of knew a little bit about this, right, is, you know, there's thousands of different ways that you can apply pearl. Oh, yeah. And for those thousands of different ways that you can apply pearl, there's that many different variations of the type of pearl you can put together. And even variances in how the gun is set up, the spray gun, will lay down the pearl differently. So Interesting. It will align it differently. It will shade it differently. It will look different in the certain lights. Well, with the pearl white, there was a book, uh, two inches thick, of oh, all no. the little colored chips. And uh, they said, well, what white do you want? I'm like, um... Just one off of a Porsche, maybe? Hey, there you go. Got to have go, a supercar. Matches the last case or something. Something like that. And they said, well, do you have a paint coat? I'm like, no. So, well, here, look through these. See if you find something you like. So I'm flipping through, and I find a nice bright white. has a deep pearl in it. I was like, hey, what about this one? So they go back to their computer and look it up. They go, how do you feel about Kias? No, not a Kia. And it's like, no, not a Kia, not a Kia. And he goes, well, you want one off a of Porsche, right? And I go, yeah. Like, a, you know, what was it? 2012 Carrera S, I think, is the one that they used or that we found, right? Right. And they go, lo and behold, click, click, click in the computer and then flip through the little book and say, well, look at this one. So I go outside and the, the Kia white is a nice bright white with a deep pearl. This one was a slight blue white. It was kind of like a gray blue, I guess with a really super deep pearl that was multifaceted and multicolored. And I'm like, yep, that's the one. That's, that's the, the one. one. That's the one we want. So I go back, they spend about 20 minutes mixing it and they had the pearl on the mixer and the guy comes out and is talking to me and said, and I go, so is that top coat ready? And he said, no, still on the mixer. We had to put several scoops of pearl in there. I want to make sure it's mixed up for you. I'm like, all right, do what you're going to do. It's awesome. So, uh, but Similar to some of the other case mining projects, I basically tore the case apart and we painted the top panel, the back panel, front panel, and the motherboard tray and um, basically applied that pearl white to everything and put a nice clear coat on it. Um, I was in the paint booth for, what was it, like four hours or something like that, doing sealer coats and then the the tri-stage. So we have a ground coat, which is white. It's kind of that blue-white. And then we have the pearl, which goes over top of that, and then the clear coat, which makes it shiny and protects everything. Well, it definitely sounds like a lot of work, so I think I'm safe in saying that unless you really have to have that beautiful Porsche pearl white, yeah. don't try this at home, kids. No. Well, and you need special equipment. And um, in some of the articles, I talk about how to set up the paint booth, which isn't really a real booth. It's more of a, a tent, so to speak. And it's really just to keep the dirt out and the spray in so that way it doesn't get into the lab and lay on everything which really makes a big mess so it kind of keeps it all contained but when you're inside that spray tent you need to protect yourself so i go and wear a smock and also a respirator to uh, filter out some of the carcinogens that are actually in this paint and um, make it so that i can actually breathe well the end result is a really beautiful pearl white paint job with black accents that I think if you go and check out what you've seen on Facebook so far 
as we start to put out these build logs and watch this build progress. I can tell you, one, it looks fantastic, and two, it's really difficult to capture that pearl glean in photos. So if you think it looks good in the pictures, it looks better in person, especially when you get a beautiful full-spectrum light on it, like raw sunlight, for example. Yeah. So what do we have planned now that we have the case all painted and back together? um, We're going to be moving over pretty much all the hardware out of the Core V51 and reinstalling it into this new case. Now, we've talked about this kind of stuff before. I'm sort of famous for this hermit crab move, and that is where you move into a new case as the first stage of an upgrade plan. Mm -hmm. So we've got this beautiful case to move into, but of course, the case is black and white, so we have to have new discussions about what we're going to do to color it. Now, we don't want to leave the orange completely behind, but it's no longer a match. So we're going to have to find some clever way to work a little bit of that site orange in for Hardware Asylum. So something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, our logo is the black and white and orange if you take it down to the raw colors. So that matches our theme only this time. The focus is not the orange like it was in the last case, but in fact, the black and white. Yeah, the black and the white. And uh we got to figure out how we can work in a little bit of red as well because your motherboard is black and red. Right. That may not stay that way, mm-hmm. but it is the MSI Gamer 7, which is quite nice. Well, and, and we're also talking about moving, because the white picks up the light so well, moving into a multicolor accent with RGB as opposed to the single-color orange that we've had in our showcase in the past. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that could be... Um, just a, a variety of lighting strips in strategic places inside the case. Um, obviously, oh. some of the stuff inside is going to get covered just because of what we install. Well, we have options, and I'm a little bit intrigued about the ability to put in a light controller, whether that be from a specific manufacturer, like the Thermal Tank Ring Controller, mm-hmm. or something integrated in the motherboard, or maybe something like the Sound Blaster's Aurora Reactive Lighting Controller that comes on some of the Sound Blaster products, like that AE5 that we've just reviewed. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. A sound card with an RGB controller? (laughs) You better check out that review. We'll post it and get it into the show notes for you. But definitely the amount of options are there. And who knows, maybe I'll even suck it up a little bit and get an RGB mouse pad to match. Oh, no, no. Well, well, maybe if they send it to us. (laughs) Something like that. But the fact of the matter is that when your base color is a white, a pearlescent white that picks up the light so well, it gives you a lot of accent color options. Mm -hmm. So it gives you the ability to really project whatever you want to against it, which is one of the reasons that we like white. And who knows, maybe we'll go back to a UV reactive bulb too, just to see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm going to leave the lighting up to you. And when it gets around to when we install the Thermal Take Premium water cooling gear from the v51 into the now x31 maybe we should call it the view x31 um, we'll have to come up with a catchy name for this yeah, obviously it definitely needs a nickname of some sort yes. but we'll come up with that as we go but we also need to talk about what kind of upgrades we need because it's a dual windowed case which you kind of alluded to there's not just one window yeah we have tempered glass on both the front and the back Uh, When I painted the case, I left the back of the motherboard tray black so that we can try to hide some of our cables as we route them through the case. And to also obscure that a bit more, we can also take some um, automotive window film and basically tint that back panel. Now, there's a thought. We could do something interesting with the glass, too. So, folks, I think as you're listening to this, you're going to see a couple of interesting challenging 
problems, maybe opportunities, depending on how you look at it. One is we're not going to be able to hide the cables like we have in the previous build, which means that we might have to look at custom cables or cable dresses or, you know, some kind of sleeving Mm -hmm. to pretty things up a little bit. But we also have the opportunity to mess with glass. We have the opportunity to mess with lighting and color. Oh, etches. And we're even thinking about mounting the video card in a different way to show off that EK water block, too. Yeah, what are the benefits of that uh, Core X31 View 31 uh, chassis is that it has the vertical video card mount that is so prevalent on, like, the P5 chassis, the wall-mounted chassis from Thermaltake. So all we need is a little ribbon cable to connect the video card back to the motherboard, and then we can have it vertically mounted instead of horizontal. Definitely some cool stuff. So anyway, as we come up with a name for this build and really what we want to do with it, you have kind of an opportunity to influence us. So don't be afraid to jump on those Facebook posts and comment about what you like, what you'd like to see. Maybe try to convince us that it should be, I don't know, green or red or blue or whatever you're your color choices, or even if you think that we've missed an opportunity to customize it that we can work on while we've got this thing apart. Because we hope to have this thing put together by the end of this month for a land party. Mm-hmm. And it may be in some stage by then, if not complete. But it's always fun to start a new mod with a blank canvas, especially a canvas that's so beautifully put together with this custom thermal cake built and custom Carrera Pearl White paint. So check it out, folks, and let us know what you think. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2017. Thanks for listening.